Blog Talk Radio. All right, sports fans, how's everybody out there doing? William Martin coming at you one more time with another edition of the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show here on blogtalkradio.com. As always, I want to take this time out to thank all of you fine folks out there for tuning in this evening. And as always, our guest call-in number is going to be 626-231-0309. I repeat, 626-231-0309. And on this wonderful evening of January 22nd, 2018, I can gladly once again tell the world that Miss Runner's baby boy is back on the air. And then there were two, as now we are left with two teams that still have the opportunity to call themselves Super Bowl champions for the 2017 NFL season. Conference Championship Sunday is in the books, and it's going to be the New England Patriots taking on the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl number 52. How did they get there? Well, that's what we are going to discuss tonight. Now, the New England Patriots hosted the very game and formidable Jacksonville Jaguars yesterday in the AFC Championship as Jacksonville definitely put up a good fight. Now, in typical Patriots fashion, they took the opening kickoff, they marched down the field, and this time around, they did have to settle for a field goal as Steven Gostowski connected on a 31-yard field goal to give the Patriots the early 3 to nothing advantage. And this capped off a 10-play, 62-yard drive for the Patriots, which ate up more than five and a half minutes of game clock to begin the contest. However, this Jaguars team was ready to play as they shut down this Patriots offense for the majority of the first half. And early on in the second quarter, Jacksonville was able to get on the board when quarterback Blake Bortles connected with veteran tight end Mercedes Lewis on a four-yard touchdown pass to give Jacksonville the 7-3 to advantage. The Jaguars would keep the momentum going as they stopped the Patriots on their ensuing drive, got the football back, and marched down on a 10-play 77-yard drive that ate up more than six minutes worth of game clock, and it was capped off by a four-yard run from rookie running back Leonard Fournette to give the Jags the 14-3 advantage. Now, the Patriots do this better than anybody else in the NFL, which is scoring before the first half ends, and they did it once again yesterday. As with just under a minute left, James White scored on a one-yard run to make it 14-10 to and put the Pats back into this game. Now, Jacksonville was able to extend their lead to 20-10 to after a pair of Josh Lambeau field goals, with the last one coming at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And Jacksonville did have several opportunities to put this game away, and I'll get to that in a moment. Now, midway through the fourth, the Patriots offense got going when Brady connected with wide receiver Danny Amendola on a nine-yard touchdown pass to make it 20-17. to Now, after the Patriots defense stepped up and stopped the Jaguars, New England got the football back, 
and with just under three minutes left in this contest, Brady connected with Amendola again, this time in the back of the end zone on a leaping grab to give the Patriots the 24-20 to 20 lead. Now, Jacksonville did drive down the field, and <clears throat> excuse me, they were attempting to get into scoring range, but they were turned away by the stingy Patriots defense, gave the football back to the Pats. They were able to run out the clock, and New England was able to defeat Jacksonville by the score of 24 220. And you look inside of the individual numbers for this contest. Blake Bortles was 23 of 36 passing for 293 yards to go along with one touchdown pass and no interceptions. Tom Brady was 26 of 38 passing for 290 yards with two TDs and no picks. New England did not have a running game yesterday. Leonard Fournette had 76 yards on 24 carries, while Allen Hearns for Jacksonville had six catches for 80 yards. But Brandon Cooks had a big day for New England in the receiving game as he had six grabs for 100 yards, while Danny Amendola had seven grabs for 84 yards. Jacksonville got back home today, probably late last night. And they are going to look at this game and they are simply going to say, would have, could have, should have. They held the football for more than 35 minutes yesterday. They got 374 yards of total offense versus the Patriots. They did not turn the football over. And yet, when it's all said and done, they did not win this contest. And they didn't win this contest for several reasons. I know that there are going to be some people affiliated with the Jaguars that will feel that they got slighted in the penalties. You go back to a couple of key pass interference calls. There was one late in the first half on A.J. Boye when he was guarding Brandon Cooks, and it was pass interference. Okay, there are some that want to say it was questionable to call Barry Church for his helmet-to-helmet hit on Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski, that was legit, okay? But aside from all of that, you're up 14-3 in the second quarter. You're driving. You have an opportunity to get in the scoring range and at least get a field goal if you're Jacksonville. You get called for a delay a game on third and seven. So it nullifies your first down play. Now you have third and 12. The Patriots make the adjustments, and they, they, they drop uh, Blake Bortles. Now, to make matters worse, you punt the football to New England. They get the ball back, and like I said, they did what they do better than anybody in the league. The Patriots are the best team in the NFL when it comes to scoring on their opening drive of a game, scoring on the last drive of the, of the half, and – The other thing that New England is good at is they will not only score to end the half, they will get the ball to begin the third quarter, and they will score again. So not in this game, but, for example, it could be a situation where you have a 14-10 game. New England drives to end the half. They score a touchdown. Now it's 21-10. They get the ball to start the second half. They They drive down the field and score again. It's now 28 to 10, and it changes your entire strategy as an opponent. Now, obviously, the Patriots did not score 
um, like that that feverishly in this contest versus the Jags. But fourteen to ten, if you're the Patriots, sounds a lot better than going down fourteen to three to this Jags team, especially the way that they can play defense. On top of that, when the Patriots scored uh, their first touchdown, they gave the football back to Jacksonville with 55 seconds left in the half. Jacksonville had two timeouts. They sat on the ball, and they were content to go to the dressing room with a four-point lead. You can't do that against New England. You can't do that in Foxborough in New England, especially in January. Then you move on to the second half. All right, it's 20 to 10. Jacksonville had several chances to put this game away, and a terrific play by linebacker Miles Jack to chase down Deion Lewis, or James White, rather, and force the fumble, get the football back. Unfortunately for his sake, the the ref blew the whistle, and it was a situation where who knows what would have happened if the play had stood, if Jack had picked up the football, ran with it, and scored a touchdown. That could have been the icing on the cake. we'll, We'll never know. Then you go back to when it's 20-10 to 10 because Jacksonville did get the football there, did not do anything. They give the ball back to New England. New England has a third and 18 situation in their own territory. Jacksonville's secondary has been known for their press man coverage all year long. Jacksonville's front seven has been known for getting the pressure on the quarterbacks, especially with the front four. Jacksonville did not do that. They decided to go zone, and Tom Brady, is one of the, like, first of all, he's the best quarterback of this era as far as shredding his own. He's one of the better quarterbacks of all time when it comes to shredding his own. And if you give Tom Brady enough time, he is going to pick any defense apart. And what happened? He found Danny Amendola for a play for the first down. You keep the drive going. The next thing you know, you, you drive and score a touchdown. And not only do you score a touchdown, but you shift the momentum. Then even after the Patriots took the lead to go ahead 24 to 20, Jacksonville was driving. Blake Bortles missed several receivers that had a step on their man on that drive. And it's a situation in the postseason. It does not matter what sport. (coughs) Excuse me. Whatever you cannot do is magnified and it shows up at the worst time. And I said this going into this game. For Jacksonville to beat New England, Blake Bortles was going to have to consistently make plays in the pocket, and he did not do that coming down the stretch. On top of that, Jacksonville, even with all of that said, they turned the ball over after the tremendous play uh, by Stephon Gilmore, the Patriots cornerback. They still have timeouts left. They can stop New England, force a punt, and get the ball back. You have a third and nine situation. You know that New England is going to try to run the football, and they're going to try to, you know, make you burn those timeouts. Under no circumstance, if you're Jacksonville, can you allow them to get a first down running the football there. And right there, that was the game. You watch this contest, and the thing is, when it comes to the Patriots in the playoffs, You have to play a perfect game in order to beat them. You look at the Atlanta Falcons last year in the Super Bowl. Atlanta 
played the perfect game for three quarters, and they got away from what got them the lead, which was rushing the passer and running the football, and it hurt them. For Jacksonville, they moved the football on offense in the first half versus New England. For Jacksonville defensively in the first half, they frustrated Tom Brady. They stifled this Patriots offense, and they got away from that in the second half. And to me, you look at it, it, and, and, and it's a problem with not only Jacksonville yesterday, but it's a problem with a lot of Patriots opponents. Number one, they hope to win as, as opposed to expecting to win. Then on top of that, they, they're, 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 it's like they're looking over their shoulder because they know what's coming. And it, Tom Brady's not the first quarterback that we've seen do this. It happened with Joe Montana. It happened with Dan Marino. It happened with Roger Staubach. It happened with John Elway, where you know that the other quarterback is so great. And if the game is close, you're like, oh, no, we're in trouble. Jacksonville's inability to put this team away caught up to them. And on top of that, Tom Brady did not have the services of Rob Gronkowski for the entire second half as he was lost to a concussion. And this Jags defense simply could not go out there and get it done. This Jags offense could not go out there and get it done. And I'll go back to the end of the first half because Jacksonville possibly left points on the board. And I think the reason why Jacksonville left points on the board is because this team and this coaching staff still does not trust Blake Bortles. If the shoe was on the other foot and if it's the Patriots and they just allowed a team to score to cut their lead to 14 to 10, regardless if they're on the road or not, with 55 seconds left and two timeouts, you better believe that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are, are going to at least give, a, give it a shot going down the field. And if they can't get something done, they'll run the football, punt, and then get ready for the second half. That is what separates good teams from great teams. And that's something that Jacksonville is still learning. If you go back to their playoff run for the Jags, in the wild card game, they were at home versus the Buffalo Bills. They were feeding off of a frenzied crowd who had not seen a Jaguars playoff game at home in nearly two decades. If you go back to that game, Jacksonville defensively was not afraid of Buffalo's offense, and rightfully so. Jacksonville's defense won that game because Blake Bortles didn't even pass for 100 yards in that contest. You go back to last week versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jacksonville was not afraid of Pittsburgh because they went there earlier this season and beat them, and they did it with their defense as they forced Ben Roethlisberger to throw five interceptions. But you go back to yesterday, as good as Jacksonville has been, there was that fear factor in that team. And in the second half, it caught up to them. Now, at the same time, a ton of credit goes to the Patriots because, as usual, Bill Belichick, the Patriots head coach, is the best when it comes to making adjustments. He makes adjustments at the half. He makes adjustments on the fly, and he changes things around. Like I talked about this Jacksonville offense in the first half. They did whatever they wanted to. 
Belichick changed it up in the second half. And basically, he took away Leonard Fournette. He took away the Jags running game. And he said, Blake Bortles, you beat me from the pocket. And Blake Bortles still cannot do that at this point in his career. And on top of that, it was a great game plan because you figure no Rob Gronkowski at all in the second half. And Tom Brady still found a way to go out there get this team in position to win the game and ultimately win the contest. And because of that, we now have the New England Patriots who are advancing once again to Super Bowl number 52. And like I said before, you look at it and you say, well, hey, Jacksonville did everything right to win this contest except make a few key plays and get, uh, get their hand raised at the end. And like I said before, and I will say it again, if you are going to beat the Patriots in January, regardless if it's in Foxborough or if it's on the road or if it's on a neutral site like we are going to see in two weeks, you have to play a perfect game for four quarters. And because of that, Jacksonville will be watching the Super Bowl at home. So, folks, as always, the call-in number is going to be 626 231 Zero three zero nine. I repeat, six two six two three one zero three zero nine. Now, of course, the other contest yesterday was uh, the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC Championship game, as this was a contest uh, between a pair of 13 and three clubs. And of course, for the Minnesota Vikings, they were looking to advance to the Super Bowl, which is going to be played at their home field. And the Vikings looked sharp early as they were able to take the opening kickoff and march down the field on a nine play 75 yard drive, which is capped off when quarterback Case Keenum connected with tight end Kyle Rudolph on a 25 yard touchdown pass to give the Vikes the early seven to nothing advantage. However, Philly would respond uh, later in the, in the first quarter after Keenan was intercepted by defensive back Patrick Robinson, and he scampered 50 yards with the TD to knock the score at seven apiece. Philadelphia took the lead early on in the second quarter when Garrett Blunt bowled his way through the Vikings defense on an 11-yard touchdown run as this capped off a 12-play 75-yard drive that ate up more than six minutes worth of game clock to give Philly the 14-7 advantage. After a Case Keenum turnover late in the first half, Philly was able to take advantage of that as they scored right off of it when Nick Foles connected with tight with wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey on a 53-yard touchdown bomb as Philadelphia was able to extend their lead to 21-7. to Just before the first half ended, Jake Elliott connected on a field goal to make it 24-7. to And early on in the third quarter, the Eagles were able to put, put the finishing touches on the Vikings as Foles connected with wide receiver Torrey Smith on a 41-yard touchdown pass to give Philly the 31-7 to advantage. And the Eagles would go on to win this contest yesterday by the score of 38 to seven. Now you look inside of the numbers. Case Keenum was 28 of 48 passing for 271 yards with a TD and two picks, while 
Nick Foles was 26 of 33 passing for 352 yards with three TDs and no picks. Philadelphia was able to amass 110 yards on the ground with 73 of those coming from Jay Ajayi, while tight end Zach Ertz led the way with eight catches for 93 yards. I talked about Alshon Jeffrey, and he did have a solid contest as he had five catches for 85 yards with a pair of touchdowns. And for Philadelphia, they have really rallied around Nick Foles. And this is not the first time that we've seen this from this organization. Of course, you go back to the 2004 uh, season for Philadelphia when wide receiver Terrell Owens was lost late in that campaign to an ankle injury, and it looked like, you know, he was he was going to be out for the year. And, you know, T.O., you know, rehabbed, and he worked his tail off to get himself into position should the Philadelphia Eagles get back to uh, be able to get to the Super Bowl. And without T.O. in those two playoff games at home, ironically against the Minnesota Vikings and Atlanta Falcons, granted, just flipped around that year. Uh, but, you know, Philly was able to win, and they got to the Super Bowl. And, of course, T.O. Went, went out there and put on a Hall of Fame performance in the Super Bowl in spite of his injury. Now, this time around, with uh, Nick Foles, this team never, and I mean never, batted an eye with Foles as quarterback. Because if you go back to when Carson Wentz injured his knee against the Rams, and you know, like they found out that he was going to be out for the season, the Eagles never fretted because Foles came in, led them to the victory in the second half in a crucial game versus the Rams, and then you know, of course, he had a, he had a solid game against the Giants to help them, you know. Uh, get a first-round bye. They went on to get home field advantage. A lot of people, myself included, wrote this team off versus the Atlanta Falcons. It wasn't because of Nick Foles. It was because of the Eagles' defense, and that we saw the Eagles really clicking yesterday. And I think the Eagles have really embodied that underdog mentality. They have a little broad street bully in them because of the way that they play. You, you look at the way that this team plays on defense, they don't have a lot of guys that are going to leap out as far as the stats go, but they play together as a team and they play hungry. And I think that's a credit to not only their defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, but also their head coach, Doug Peterson, because he has gone back to the system that led Philadelphia to a ton of uh, success when Andy Reid was coaching the team. Of course, Peterson played for Reid at one time, then he was also an assistant coach under him. And you look at this contest here, and we talk about the momentum. And it's magnified that much more in the postseason because there was a very slim margin of error. And you look at it, and I talk about what you can't do and how it comes up to bite you in the rear end. That happened to the Vikings yesterday. They're up seven to nothing. They're moving, and they have an opportunity to, to, you know, to potentially get some more points, especially with the way that they play D, if they were able to go up 14 to nothing, this game could have been over. Case Keenum throws that pick six. Now it's a tie game, and then more importantly, the crowd at Lincoln Financial Field is really into the contest. Then it's 14 to seven late in the first half. The Vikings are driving to tie this game up. It's a strip sack. Uh, Phillies, uh, from, uh, forced by Phillies defense on Keenum 
their offense gets the ball back. They drive right down the field. And then Nick Foles throws that bomb to Alshon Jeffrey. Now instead of being tied at 14 apiece, you're down 21 to 7. And then you can't run out the clock. Philly gets the ball back. Jake Elliott gets a field goal before the first half ends. Now you're down 24 to 7. And then Philly takes the opening kickoff of the second half, and they march right down the field for a touchdown drive to make it 31 to 7. And this is what I talk about. This is the same thing that the Patriots do, and this is what the good teams do. And you talk about the lack of aggression by the Jaguars at the end of the first half. Look at the aggressive nature of Philadelphia yesterday. They didn't sit on the ball. That key run in the final two minutes of the first half, the final three minutes of the first half, and the first few minutes of the third quarter basically iced that game because you are talking about a 17-point run that all but ended the NFC Championship game early in the third quarter. That is what great teams do. That's something that Jacksonville needs to still figure out. That's something New England knows how to do. And obviously, by looking at the game last night, that is something that Philadelphia knows how to do. And this team has really taken it personal that they were written off after Carson Wentz got injured because now they are in the Super Bowl and they are 60 football minutes away from being NFL champions. And for the Vikings, they have nothing to be ashamed about. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, they were a decent team that got that got hot. This is no discredit to the Vikings. They took advantage of no Aaron Rodgers in the NFC North this year. Nobody else attempted to, like, you know, jump up and take that crown. So Minnesota did, and they just kept on rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling by their ability to play good D. And because they play good D and because they can run the football, they never asked Case Keenum to go out there and win a game. Now, of course, he had that miracle play last week versus the New Orleans Saints, but he faced a different animal, no pun intended, last night versus the Philadelphia Eagles because they came after him consistently, they frustrated him, and more importantly, they exposed him for the backup quarterback that he is. Now, for Philly, they got to try to keep this momentum going because they played a solid contest yesterday at home. Now you're asking yourselves, you got to go on the road in a neutral environment and try to go out there and beat the New England Patriots and Tom Brady, which is not an easy task to do. And I talked about Jacksonville needing to play a perfect game to beat New England. Philadelphia played a near-perfect game yesterday against the Vikings. They somehow have to find a way to even play a better game two weeks from now in order to be Super Bowl champions. Right now, New England is five-and-a-half-point they're, they're five favorites. I think it's going to stay anywhere, the line at least, anywhere between five to six-and-a-half for this contest. Because I look at it, and I look at the matchup between the Eagles' offense and this Patriots' defense, and I think it comes down to Nick Foles. Because Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia, the Patriots' defensive coordinator, they're going to give Foles a ton of looks that he's not accustomed to seeing. And I think it's going to be better served for Philly. They're going to want to try to keep 
Foles and shotgun as much as possible and allow, and hopefully allow him to get the football out very quick. And Nick Foles in these playoffs, he's been lights out. Uh, Philadelphia, when I say they have to play a perfect game, they can't even afford Nick Foles to throw one interception. If he throws one interception, their chances are slim. If he throws two interceptions in that game versus the Patriots, they, meaning the Eagles, will not win that contest. Now, I look at the push that this Eagles uh, front four has been able to get with the likes of Chris Long and Fletcher Cox. They have to get that push, but more importantly, they've got to get back in that pocket and collapse it and make life tough for Tom Brady. But it's easier said than done because Tom Brady – Number one, gets the football out very quickly, and he's one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League when it comes to keeping opposing defenses off balance. And he does that because he's gonna he can dink and dunk you with passes to the running backs and Deion Lewis and James White. That's going to put uh, stress on the linebackers, and it's also going to put stress on the DBs. And if you try to worry about Deion Lewis and James White, you got to worry about Rob Gronkowski which is going to occupy the safety, Malcolm Jenkins. And if Malcolm Jenkins has a focus on Rob Gronkowski, you're talking about a one-on-one matchup between Brandon Cooks and the Eagles DBs, which is an advantage in the favor of New England. So Doug Peterson has done a tremendous amount of work so far to get Philly to this point, but now he's going up against the maestro. And like I said before, when you face the Patriots in January and in February, you have to play the perfect game. Will Philadelphia be able to do it? We'll see in 13 days. So, folks, that is going to wrap it up tonight. And as always, I want to take this time out to thank you for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge show here on blogtalkradio.com. I'll be right back on the air in two weeks at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Pacific, same time. And, of course, this time I will be recapping the action from Super Bowl number 52 in Minneapolis. You can continue to check me out on 300poundsofsportsknowledge.com. I put up several podcasts recently, as well as my first mock draft for the upcoming NFL draft. Now, if you're on Twitter, please feel free to follow me at 300 Pounds of Sports. And like I always say, if you follow me, it will be my pleasure to follow you right back. Also, there is a Facebook page, or pardon me, the Facebook discussion group at the Sports Depot 365. You can check it out, drop a line, become a member, and be a part of one of the best sports debates going on social media right now. As always, much love to 150 pounds of sports knowledge. She knows who she is, and without her, none of this good stuff that you are hearing is possible. And as always, much love to my wonderful daughter, Penelope. It's a pleasure to see her grow and grow on a daily basis, and I know that she is going to do some tremendous things in this wonderful world of ours. So once again, fine folks, my name is William Martin. Take care, have a wonderful night, and thanks once again for tuning in to the 300 Pounds of Sports Knowledge Show here on blogtalkradio.com. <laughs>